Section 83 of Mark Twain, A Biography, Volume 2. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Mark Twain, A Biography, by Albert Bigelow Payne. Chapter 187, Some Literary Matters. Clemens might have lectured that winter with profit, and Major Pond did his best to persuade him. But Rogers agreed that his presence in New York was likely to be too important to warrant any schedule of absence. He went once to Boston to lecture for charity, though his pleasure in the experience was a sufficient reward. On the evening before the lecture, Mrs. James T. Fields had him to her house to dine with Dr. Holmes, then not far from the end of his long, beautiful life. He died that same year, October 1894. Clemens wrote to Paris of their evening together. Dr. Oliver Wendell Holmes never goes out. He is in his eighty-fourth year. But he came out this time, said he wanted to have a time once more with me. Mrs. Fields said Aldridge begged to come, and went away crying because she wouldn't let him. She allowed only her family, Sarah Orne Jewett and sister, to be present, because much company would overtax Dr. Holmes. Well, he was delightful. He did as brilliant and beautiful talking and listening as he ever did in his life, I guess. Fields and Jewett said he hadn't been in such splendid form for years. He had ordered his carriage for nine. The coachman sent in for him at nine, but he said, Oh, nonsense! Leave glories and grandeur like these. Tell him to go away and come in an hour. At ten he was called for again, and Mrs. Fields, getting uneasy, rose, but he wouldn't go, and so we rattled ahead the same as ever. Twice more Mrs. Fields rose, but he wouldn't go, and he didn't go, till half-past ten, an unwarrantable dissipation for him in these days. He was prodigiously complimentary about some of my books, and is having Puddinhead read to him. I told him you and I used the autocrat as a courting book and marked it all through, and that you keep it in the sacred green box with the love letters, and it pleased him. One other address Clemens delivered that winter at Fairhaven, on the opening of the Millicent Library, a present to the town from Mrs. Rogers. Mrs. Rogers had suggested to her husband that perhaps Mr. Clemens would be willing to say a few words there. Mr. Rogers had replied, Oh, Clemens is in trouble. I don't like to ask him. But a day or two later told him of Mrs. Rogers' wish, adding, Don't feel at all that you need to do it. I know just how you are feeling, how worried you are. Clemens answered, Mr. Rogers, do you think there is anything I could do for you that I wouldn't do? 
It was on this occasion that he told for the first time the stolen watermelon story so often reprinted since how once he had stolen a watermelon and when he found it to be a green one had returned it to the farmer with a lecture on honesty and received a ripe one in its place in spite of his cares and diversions clemens literary activities of this time were considerable he wrote an article for the youth's companion how to tell a story and another for the north american review on fenimore cooper's literary offenses Mark Twain had not much respect for Cooper as a literary artist. Cooper's stilted artificialities and slipshod English exasperated him and made it hard for him to see that, in spite of these things, the author of The Deerslayer was a mighty storyteller. Clemens had also promised some stories to Walker of the Cosmopolitan and gave him one for his Christmas number, Traveling with a Reformer which had grown out of some incidents of that long-ago journey with Osgood to Chicago, supplemented by others that had happened on the more recent visit to that city with Hall. This story had already appeared when Clemens and Rogers had made their Chicago trip. Rogers had written for passes over the Pennsylvania road, and the president, replying, said, "'Now, I won't give Mark Twain a pass over our road. I've been reading his traveling with a reformer in which he abuses our road i wouldn't let him ride over it again if i could help it the only way i'll agree to let him go over it at all is in my private car i have stocked it with everything he can possibly want and have given orders that if there is anything else he wants the train is to be stopped until they can get it Puddenhead Wilson was appearing in the Century during this period, and Tom Sawyer abroad in the St. Nicholas. The Century had issued a tiny calendar of the Puddenhead maxims, and these quaint bits of philosophy, the very gems of Mark Twain mental riches, were in everybody's mouth. With all this going on, and with his appearance at various social events, he was rather a more spectacular figure that winter than ever before. From the Notebook the haunted looking-glass the guest at midnight a dim light burning wakes up and sees appear and disappear the faces that have looked into the glass during three centuries love seems the swiftest but is the slowest of all growths no man and woman really know what perfect love is until they have been married a quarter of a century. It is more trouble to make a maxim than it is to do right. Of all God's creatures, there is only one that cannot be made the slave of the lash. That one is the cat. Truth is stranger than fiction to some people, but I immeasurably familiar with it end of chapter 187 some literary matters read by john greenman